Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. So this is for anybody that leads a team or maybe you own a company. Have you ever thought about how the satisfaction of your employees directly results in the satisfaction of your customers. And of course, when that's all in alignment, you're doing well, you're generating more revenue. We are going to talk about that today and also what's known as an agile environment. And this gentleman helps companies deal with that all the time, really make those transformations and change things for those, these companies to really, really, really make them uh, ones that, that work well. He is somebody who's worked with a lot of companies, and he's back with us today. Jeremy Berrio joins us on the program. Welcome back. How are you, Jeremy? Great. Glad to be back. So let's go right there in talking about successful strategies for somebody's business. Agile transformation, how is that defined? So depending on who you speak with, like it's defined in a lot of different ways. Like when it started with the Agile Manifesto for Software Development back in 2001, it was really geared towards having a better way of developing software, making it more fluid and easy and putting out the right features uh, for customers and clients. And over the past 20, 20 years, 23 years, it's now evolved into other aspects within the organization, such as marketing, sales, uh, even support can have become an agile environment. And it's in the grand, in the whole story, the grand scheme is that you're becoming as effective and as efficient as you can and as a team working together. How difficult is it to make that transformation? It, it can be very difficult because a lot of us, in the workforce, we're used of a very hierarchical command and control boss tells boss, uh, VP tell the directors who then tell the managers and so on and so on. And there has to be a shift in behaviors and in a mental model on how to address everything going on and how to even like how to address the employees and how to address the work. And it's kind of, instead of being almost like a pyramid, you're kind of flattening that pyramid and you're creating an environment where it's almost like cells in the body, where each cell has their own function and has their own uh, goals to do. But overall, they all work together to get to the end result, which is to have the, the living being survive. I kind of view it, as, as you're speaking about it, like the, the cogs in an engine or the... the uh, the, the wheels in an engine that have to turn and everyone is dependent on the other uh, because everything has to be in alignment, whether it's collaboration, whether it's responding to change very quickly, flexibility, again, the word agile, um, because a lot of companies, a lot of leaders all set in their ways. Yeah, that's how we always did it. And they're afraid of that that change, which they think that, you know, they may fail, but in the in the greater picture, it's actually going to support them and make uh, things operate so much better within the company, right? Yeah. The, what a lot of people don't understand, like they feel that they're losing power. Mm. Um, like when they get their leadership role and they're a VP, executive, even managers, they feel it's okay. I have my little, I have my team. I have my, I, this is my group that I'm responsible for that 
like I have the, the kind of, it's sad to say like I have the power over, it's not really that, but they're so focused on the team and making sure they're doing the work, their work well that if they kind of step back and tr give the trust to the team so that they can do, they can self-manage and they can get the work done, the leadership can actually take a little bit of a step back and avoid being more tactical and they can be a little more strategic in that they can look ahead and see how the teams can evolve and where they can go forward as an organization. And that there is where kind of like the rubber hits the road for that because you actually gain in the end, if you're, you gain the kind of more prestige and power overall because now you're kind of looking ahead. You're not focused on the right now. You're focused on, okay, this is where we can see ourselves in the next six months, in the next year. And also set things up so that the organization still thrives as you move on to other positions or you retire. Then the organization, there's a smooth transfer and it just keeps moving in that upward trajectory. How about some of the benefits of an agile environment once things are all in tune everything's fine-tuned everything's working well what are some of the things that uh a company can expect to see in in, in terms of change so one of the th one of the first few things they'll see is um a lot of the noise or firefights or any issues that kind of keep keep uh, clogging things up or being obstacles those will slowly start going away they won't they should really only see some, if they see something it means it's really really important that they need to handle but for the most part you provide the team the trust that they can handle the work themselves and work themselves through it um, they'll see that what they're providing their customers or clients is more in in line with their needs and wants and that they are able to be kind of they're able to be satisfied with their application or even with the service because they will, they, they get what they need. They don't have to try to search, and they can they can see what they're looking for, and they see what they're using, and how valuable it is to them as they're using it. I'm guessing too. Once everything is is really the way it should be, with the systems and and the employees and everything, it, that you're getting stuff done even before a deadline. Like everything is just working well. Well, yeah, and even in most agile environments, deadlines are kind of, they're not really, I wouldn't consider them like deadline, like a deadline's like, hey, this is a hard date. It's you're doing the risk assessment and identifying, okay, what can we deliver now? What can we deliver sooner? What can we, what are our, what are our iterations look like as we go forward? And before, about 30 years ago, when I started in software development, like there is a deadline. This is our deployment date. We shall not go past this and you have to work through to get it done by this date. And you would work for months and months and months just to get the software out there only to find out that either the market has changed and the what you've worked on is no longer useful or even what you've worked on, yeah, it gets used, but it's not used as well as everyone thought it would be used. Um, a good story for myself is I worked on a large program years ago in the early 2000s, and they uh, we worked. It was supposed to be an eight-month project. Actually, lasted two years. Wow! And in the end, 
when it got when like three weeks before it was to go out and be deployed, it was decided that it was not going to be used, and they weren't going to give it to the customers. We were just going to deploy it, and it was never going to be used by the customer at that time. Now, uh, luckily, the stuff that was done uh, it was it was used by customers later. They retooled it and made it work, but it took them about four or five years after that just to get it up and running. That must have been so incredibly frustrating <laughs> after all of that, that it was never, first of all, it took that much time to transpire or, or materialize, and then it wasn't ever used? Yeah, it was, it was actually, it's very frustrating. Uh, I remember sitting around with the, uh, the development leads at the time, and we were all just kind of shaking our head because we knew it could work. We knew it would work well. Uh, there was just some stuff that happened where we just ran out of runway to try to fix it. And the executives at the time just decided, nope, we're not. We're just going to shelve it for now, and uh, we'll worry about it later. Uh, and so it was extremely frustrating. Like it was uh, almost to the point where there, I know there was a few people that just up and left and went to another either department or another company altogether. Unreal. <laughs> what What do you think was the the underlying factor which created that delay? The delay in the project, I think a lot of the issues that came up was there's a lot of assumptions made and we are working through all those assumptions as they kept creeping up. And uh, for the uh, shelving of the project as a whole, there was a huge architecture uh, issue within the software that we found that the timings of uh, file development and file, uh, file creation wasn't going to make it in time for our regulatory uh, regulatory needs, so they just decided, like, hey, this is not going to, this is not worth it right now. We can't uh, put something out there that'll put us in a regulatory issue, so they decided to shelve it. Unreal. What was the sentiments of of people that were working there? Oh, we were upset. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Luckily, well, for me, I wasn't all that upset. Uh, reason being was the deployment date was actually the same date as my son's birth. So um, I had a different delivery to deal with on that day. So it didn't bother me all yeah. that much. <laughs> okay. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the overall sentiment was it just it was defeated. Uh, everyone felt a little bit defeated because we all put in a lot of hard work. Uh, towards the end, it was even, it was, it, there was not a lot of overtime, but it was very, uh, heads down, get the work done. We knew, we knew where we had, what date we had to make, and we made it. It was just unfortunate that this one issue where nowadays you would not find in an agile environment because an agile environment looks at identifying those risks sooner so that you can deal with them sooner, and then all the small stuff you can deal with over time. That gets me to what I wanted to talk about as well today, uh, Jeremy, and that if the employee satisfaction is high, then the customer satisfaction is going to be high. And you just illustrated it right there. I, I can't imagine after all that time, all that work, all those expectations, and then the thing just fell apart, what those, what all, you and all the employees, what they were feeling like after that project and what, what, what the, the overall vibe was in that business uh, moving forward and how it translated to uh, – to their clients. Uh, can we, can we talk about that? 
Sure, sure. Sounds a good segue into it. Um, for me, I think if we would have, if the company would have taken the employee satisfaction scores and surveys around that point, it would have been really low because it again, it was it was defeating, and it did lead into how work was done afterwards because people just felt like, okay, well, I put in all this work onto this and felt the pride in getting it out there and getting it done, only to be kind of have a roadblock put up saying, nope, it's not going to, it's not going out. The customer's not going to see it. And I know for a few months after that, like even myself, it was, uh, I didn't uh, feel like going into work. Like usually I feel like okay, I wake up in the morning, I, I jump out of bed, I want to get into work. I'm, I, I'm very proud with what I do with work. And it was one of those like kind of dragging myself out of bed, okay, get, making my breakfast, having my coffee, getting in the car. And it was not dreading going to work, but I wasn't super thrilled about going into work. And I know that others, and as we went through, it was just like everything was impacted. The productivity was impacted and it, it didn't, uh, it was not a very good environment to be in for, for that time frame. Mm. How um how how much longer did you last at that company? Uh, that company, um, I was there for. I was actually there for another two years after that. But the uh, that department, I was, I probably left after probably four months. I went to a different department, mm. and then I was in another department for a couple of years, and then I left the company altogether. Was that a direct result of that uh, software situation? I think it was just the more it was. I think it led into it. I think it's it started to create the environment and the culture where it was just it didn't feel right, and I thought maybe a change would make things would be better for me at the time. And uh, I took the I took an opportunity to go to another department, and yeah, it worked out well for the two years I was in that other department. Uh, then another opportunity came up, and that's why I, I left the organization as a whole. Well, I guess it comes down to everything's a relationship, and yeah, even let's say it was a, a marriage. That's a relationship. Yep. You have a couple of things that aren't working out, and then eventually, potentially, you get to the point where, yeah, it's time to move on. This is just not feeling right. Things are not not working well. I had a um, a situation with others this this week where a friend of mine is a, a very, very strong networker and puts together events from time, time to time. And he put together a big networking event at uh, a, a restaurant, which he's never, he's never worked with them before, but somebody said, Hey, you know what? It fits the, the model. It's classy. It's in a great location. Should be really good. So he worked with the restaurant, set the whole thing up. Now, let me just say the restaurant, anytime he or, or people he know has been there, hasn't been really crowded. So this would have been a real big boost. He had 290 people show up two days ago, but many were unhappy because you couldn't get a drink at the bar because they, they didn't support the number of people that were going to be there. They didn't move some of the tables where people were dining to the back to make room for this influx of people. The, the bartenders, the staff weren't very friendly. I experienced it myself. I was kind of blown away. 
And that was a potential for them to gain so much more business from 290 people. And almost everybody was complaining about having to wait and the staff not being nice. And and it came right down for management, trickled right on down because he asked the, the manager, well, why are you doing this? Why, why didn't you take care of this? And the manager just gave excuses. Um, so you go. I mean, you know, employee satisfaction directly re- related to the customer satisfaction. And I can't even imagine how much business they lost because of that whole situation. Yeah, and that, and I think part of it there is that the same thing with my experience is that the leadership mm. maybe didn't communicate as well as to what, like, give the reason as to why and how everything's going to go. And it doesn't have to be a whole rah-rah, bring out the pom-poms sure. and cheerleaders, but at least be very open and transparent as to what happened and be appreciative of the people that are work that, that are working for you to get the job done. Would, would you say, Jeremy, and it's, and it's a cliche, I believe, but is, it, does it always hold true that no matter what, it always starts at the top? For the most part, I would say, yeah. But I think now we have, like, especially with a lot of the industries and changes now with what happened over the, over the pandemic and how everything's moving, is everyone has an opportunity to make positive change to any team. And um, I've done speaking engagements where I've come out and I've talked about leadership, but I said everyone on the team has a leadership component. They have that in them, that ability to take those beha- those leadership behaviors and help improve everyone. So you can either lead up, lead down, and be sideways. And I think now we have that opportunity, and this is the teams that I work with, is to give them the empowerment saying, hey, everyone can make change. And as long as everyone's transparent and trustworthy, trusting and communicates well and collaborates, there's a lot of positive changes that can happen anywhere. How does that change happen when somebody works with you? The, the process, let's say that somebody, this resonates, maybe they've been thinking about those two words, agile environment how does it start if somebody wants to work with you? And then, you know, I guess it starts with you going on a fact-finding mission. Yeah, so most of, the, yeah, so most of our engagements, we work with the, the clients at first. We, kind of, they, we reach out to them, possibly, or they reach out to us to see if, uh, see if we can help. And we spend probably, depending on the size of the teams, number of teams, between two weeks to maybe a couple months just to understand the flow. And we do that initial assessment. And we, we look at multiple factors. I have uh, a, few fa- a few things that I use this from a standardized, and I also have based on my experience. And we just provide, like, the right type of framework, or sorry, the right type of, like, kind of roadmap for them to be more uh, involved in as an agile environment. And outside of frameworks, we kind of look at the environment as a whole. And that's why I like to use the term agile environment, because that's what we're doing. We're creating kind of like those cells. We're creating our own little ecosystem within the company, within the organization, on and then have it thrive and become more agile uh, as you move along with whatever you do. It almost seems that, and I get the, the, the visual from those words, agile environment, where a company is set in its ways, doesn't really make too many changes, just keeps going, rinse and repeat every day, like the, you know, the hamster on the wheel, just keep going, just keep going. Yep. But if you keep doing the same thing you've always done, you're not going to grow and potentially 
you're going to go backwards because everybody else, your competition is growing, is doing much more. So that's why you need to be agile that you can, you can pivot if you need to, you can move things around. Uh, does that sound reasonable? Yes. And especially nowadays, the, the level of change is astronomical. Like it's, it's not like it was back in the mid 1900s, like 1950 and 56, uh, 50s to 60s, where yes, there is a level of change, but it was gradual where you can build along, build along. Yep. Look at cell phones over the past 20 years. Like they've gone from like the simple flip phones back in like 2000 to 2006 to the smartphones, and Apple, uh, Apple phones, iPhones that came in after that. And, now they're they're all they're prevalent all over like they're small computers like these things are now stronger like faster and have more memory than any computer i had when i was in university so the level of change and how it happens if an organization doesn't change or doesn't kind of become more adaptable and more effective and efficient yeah they're just going to slowly fall behind and soon they'll just be relegated to non-existence because everyone's either beat them or someone's either purchased them or they've just kind of disappeared because like, everyone's so far ahead of them, they won't be able to catch up. I feel that if anybody is listening and saying, well, you know what? I've got it. I've got it handled. Yeah, we, we're good with technology. No, you're not. If you think that you've, you've got your handle on it, it's changing so fast uh, and I know that you 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 know that Jeremy coming from the software world that we think we've got it, but the, it it's there's so much going on that we haven't even heard about, and then it get, starts getting deployed. Even AI technology that was only that has been around for for a long time, but it's only been in the mainstream in the past uh, yeah called year or so, maybe a little bit more. Uh, there is they're making strides in that every single day in terms of automation, uh, and that's where you. That's one, just one area where you truly need to be agile. Same thing with uh, people working from home and coming up with the systems that make that work. Uh, so much involved. How do we uh, how do we connect with you, Jeremy, and start the the process for change here? So you can reach me through my website at barryandassociates.com. I have or my email at jbarryo at barryandassociates.com, and or you can reach me through uh, our phones at four one six. And I just want people to know the spelling of your name, B-E-R-R-I-A-U-L-T. So that's barrioandassociates.com. Great having you on today, Jeremy, and lots of insights. So important in today's fastly moving world and uh, looking forward next time we get together. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips that you plan in advance, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends for which you make a group chat three months before so that nobody or anything is missing? Or your daughter's first birthday party? You planned it with such dedication that instead of the first, it felt like our quince's. The same way you plan each detail for those moments. 
Start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Protecting your family is the best plan you can make. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council.